and welcome to Champions Advantage, and that's just a little hint about what we will be talking about today. Uh, it's 11.12 p.m. Monday, September 3rd, Raw just ended, and we kind of didn't really have a plan for this uh, episode, because this is originally supposed to be our all-in review, but we of course released that Saturday as a celebration of the fact that we are now a part of the Turnbuckle Topics Network. So we figured uh, we'd do a little career retrospective of Chris Jericho's 2007 to 2010 WWE run. Who is making a hard run at the GOAT status right now. Yeah. Uh, but he, he he's, just, he's interesting because he was like the first person to be like one of those world travelers. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? Yeah, he went to Mexico and to I Japan. feel like him I feel like him, Benoit, Eddie, uh, and Malenko and those guys were first before anybody else really did it. That's fair. But anyway, Raw wrapped up, so should we get into that first, I guess? Yeah, might as well. Well, I'm just gonna go out and say it. I thought that was the worst first hour of Raw in a long time. Yeah, it went by quicker than I thought it would, which was great because it wasn't very good. So well, you know it's Labor Day, they're workers. So it opened with uh I guess, what do they call them? The Pack. Braun Strowman, Dolph Ziggler, and Drew McIntyre. I think they call themselves the Pack, which is, you need to work on that. Got ourselves a new Pack, as Braun says. I will, I will say, when they all put their arms up like Braun, it was the best thing in the world. It was fantastic. Uh, I love it. They did it like four times throughout the night, and it got better each time they did it. Uh, it never failed to make me laugh. And then the good old Shield came out through the crowd, and... They were getting ready to have a good old brawl, and then they did it. My one of my least favorite things that WWE does. They do. It feels like they do it every six to eight weeks. They send all the geeks out from the locker room, and they all get their ass kicked, looking like geeks trying to break up this fight. They do it way too, way too often. What are your thoughts on the whole make your locker room look like geeks? Thing? I think that was the first time it's been done with tag teams. I don't remember. I don't recall that ever happening. Yeah, most of the time it's a it's one on one, but. I feel like I feel like having six guys just made it worse. Yeah, there were some, you know, they they it was all right because the geeks were out first, and then like the Balor came out, Jinder came out like he was trying to run a four four. Yeah, Jinder. he was trucking. Jinder, Jinder was moving. Uh, but yeah, and then it started out with a wave of geeks, like you said, and then slowly but surely, the whole locker room emptied out, and some stars, uh, some stars came out. And then by the end of it, the whole locker room was out. And I just hate when they do that so much. Yeah, it chops off their locker room. The one time I think it really, really worked was with Taker and Brock. I was going to say, that's like the one, that's the one off the top of my head that I remember working. And uh, so, that after that, they go backstage. And now all of a sudden, like, there's police officers surrounding the shield. And, like, the guys in the locker room are, like, after each other. I don't know what the hell is going on there. But they, they throw the shield into a police wagon, and Corbin tells him to haul him off. And the shield are in jail. And that's that's the last you'll see of them, wink, wink. They're gone, wink, wink. Why does the whole roster hate the shields all of a sudden? Well, I mean, they are kind of assholes. Where were the baby faces? I don't know. This is such a weird Oh, at segment. the end, yeah. I, I no, mean, even, even at the beginning, there really wasn't... Well, the baby faces were there because Lashley was there. and Not people yelling at the shield in the van. Like they were yelling, the the, ba- the baby faces were yelling at the heels in the locker room. I must have like missed it. Like the baby faces are on the left and the heels are on the right, and they were yelling at each other. I, I don't confu- know why. I was confused to why why they were getting arrested, why Dolph, Dolph Drew and Braun were not getting arrested. Well, because I because Corbin in- instigated the arrest and he's a heel, so that that part makes sense. By the way, I think Corbin's doing all right as acting GM. Yeah, he, I think he's funny. He fits the role. I think he's hilarious. Corbin's just a naturally funny guy. Like I don't think he means to be funny. Just but, the way he talks. Yeah. Yeah. So that was that opening segment of Raw. And then uh, we had the Bellas making their return in tag team action as they took on the team of Liv Morgan and Sarah Logan, the Viking, a.k.a. the Riot Squad. And this match was pretty much a shameless plug for Total Divas. It was. It was bizarre. They had announced them as a star of Total Divas as if the people in the arena didn't know that. Yeah, they gave them like, this long-winded intro about... Uh, about how they're the stars of Total Divas and how it premieres Sunday at 8, 7 Central. Like, they gave the whole... And we almost got a Brie Brella retirement speech. Yeah, that suicide dive was scary. Both uh, of them were just went horribly. Yeah. Uh, so what are, your, what are your thoughts on the Bellas? Because I know there's a lot of... There's, they're very controversial, to be honest with you. I mean, I think they're suitable. 
I mean, I think Nikki's a, a good worker. I think Bree's a good worker. I, I, I think Nikki's torture rack is great. Oh, the rack attack? The rack well, she attack. can't do it anymore now. No, because it was in there. I, I, that was a great finisher. Yeah. But I think they take a lot of shit. They do. That's... Because they're, you know, the Bellas and their WWE's play things, and they're, they get, they're the chosen ones, quote-unquote, much yeah. like Roman Reigns and Cena. But I think they could definitely hold their own. I mean, Bree got to tighten some up if she's going to wrestle in two weeks. But uh, at their in their primes, they're pretty good, I think. Do you think the Bellas would be, quote-unquote, the face of the women's division if they weren't, at the time, dating Cena and the other one married to Daniel Bryan? Do you think that helped their push? Yes, it helped their push, but yeah. people don't like to have a happy medium. People are like, oh, they're either getting pushed because they're married or they don't deserve a push at all. Yeah, that's fair. I think they were very good, but, uh, yeah, that definitely, that definitely helped their push. So then... Brie was dating Daniel for, like, since... Yeah, he like came in their company, though. 2010, I think. Yeah. It, was like, it was a while, yeah. Yeah. Um, then we go backstage, and there's an interview, and we are told that the newest tag team on Raw <laughs> is Bobby Roode and Chad Gable. Love it. Let them roll. This is, like, right out of the box of gimmicks. And I'm not mad at it, because if it gets Chad Gable on, on my TV, that's great, because Chad Gable is probably one of the most, if not the most, underutilized guys in the company. Yeah, I So agree. I'm happy to see him on TV. If this gets him on TV, great. But just like, where did they come up with the idea? Like, Rock who is who is sitting? Babyface tag. Teams. No, they do, and I'm. But I'm just saying, like, they're looking at the roster and they're like, all right, let's put the Olympian with the guy with the robe. Like, I just don't understand the thought process of it. I mean, I like I like it. It works, I guess. But Chad like, Gable's sneakily funny too. Yeah, like <laughs> his his entrance with Bobby Roode was hysterical. He kept jumping in front of him. And yeah, it was the glorious. Like, it was awesome. It was, it was. I'm a big I'm a big Chad Gable fan. I'd like to see him get a singles run on two five live. Great. Oh yeah, last summer him and Styles had had, had a really good match, but uh, they defeated the Ascension. So I gotta give props to the Ascension. They got on TV two weeks in a row. Uh, last week they got murdered by Bobby Lashley, and this week they they lost a I guess I'd call it a semi competitive match to Rude and Gable. So when's the last time they were on TV two weeks in a row? Probably like 2016. Yeah, honestly. But uh, well, what are your thoughts on on the Rude Gable thing? You a fan of it? I mean, I don't, think, I don't think it's fair to make any assessment right now. Because, like, for one week, I'd be kind of be like, wait, what the fuck? But, uh, no, uh, if they have, they're going to get a push, why not? So up next, Elias came out, and uh, he was talking about how Columbus was a stupid city and how a Buckeye was a stupid mascot. I agree. And he said that uh, they should have a much more intimidating mascot, like a Wolverine, which Elias is a Penn State grad, so I'm surprised he didn't go for the Nittany Lion route. I would have popped so hard. Yeah. For those of you who don't know, I am also a Penn State grad, and a, but and he, he was really close to making an Urban Meyer joke, and I would have popped. So then he was interrupted by Alexa Bliss, who's from Columbus, and she starts an OHIO chant. Stupidest chant in all sports. But then she eventually turns on the crowd like she always does. And uh, You're right. You made a good point when we were talking about it. Uh, we watched Raw together. Uh, she's really good at doing that, but it's like all every single one of her promos. Yeah, like she'll every time she starts out like... I remember the first time she did it was at Elimination Chamber, and, like, I didn't buy it, but it was still, like, very well delivered. But she, it seems like she just does it all the time now, and it's just... I don't know. Alexa Bliss is... She's good at it, don't get me wrong. Like, she's yeah. she's good at it. But it's just, yeah, like, Elimination Chamber, I think, was still her best one. Yeah, absolutely. That was great. It was like, great, yeah. Well, uh, we watched that together, didn't we? I don't think so. I think I was at school. Were you at school? I was at school, yeah. Oh, uh, I might have texted you, and I'm like, wow, she swerved the fuck out of everybody. Yeah. I know we watched Fastlane together, so I was c- together because I was on spring break for that. But uh, anyway, that led into Alexa Bliss defeating Natalia. Uh, she defeated her with an arm bar, which it didn't it didn't really look like a great arm bar, but it was a shitty arm bar. I guess I guess I see what they're trying to build up. I guess I mean Alexa Bliss, Jujitsu Master. Oh yeah, yeah. I guess I mean that was like seventy one of Jericho's thousand and four holds, so it's, it was. It's, it's very crucial. It is. I it watched is. that promo today. Weirdly, before we decided to do this episode, and then after the match, Ronda Rousey uh, tried to, tried to attack the heels that they after they tried to take advantage of Natalia. Uh, she got chop blocked and uh, ran into the steps. And another wrestling next week. Yeah, next week it will be uh, Natalia and uh, Ronda versus I believe it's Alexa and Alicia Fox. Yes. Okay. So then we had a segment backstage where uh, Constable Corbin, GM Corbin, whatever we're calling him these days, is backstage with uh, Ziggler and McIntyre and Strowman, collectively known as The Pack. (laughs) 
and uh, they say that they want competition. He's like, I got so much paperwork to do. It was funny. Yeah. And uh, Corbin asks what they had in mind, and, and Ziggler says since he can't get his rematch for the IC title, he wants a tag title shot, and Corbin says, we've already promoted the Revival, <laughs> which is hysterical because they've done such a great job promoting the Revival. And uh, Drew's like, well, what if the Revival can't make it to the ring? And then Baron's like, oh, well, I guess that'd be a different circumstance. Well, apparently the Revival don't watch Yeah, the apparently the Revival doesn't watch Much Raw. like Brock Lesnar. Much like Brock Lesnar, because they're getting interviewed by Charlie Caruso. Literally seconds later. <laughs> I think there was a commercial break in between, so they had time to, they had time to prepare for an attack. But uh, they weren't ready for it, and Charlie kind of got Charlie kind of took a took a little tumble in the melee because Ziggler and McIntyre came smoking in. They, I didn't see Charlie fall, but they came running in. Oh yeah, she took a little, she took a bumpski, and then someone on Twitter made an astute observation: Why is there always these abundance of metal pipes backstage <laughs> on Raw and SmackDown? Who knows? But uh, Ziggler and McIntyre take on the revival. So then, the Raw Tag Team Championship match that was scheduled to be the B Team defending against Ziggler and McIntyre. I mean Ziggler. I mean, the B-team against the Revival, jeez, slate people, sorry, turned into the B-team defending against Ziggler and McIntyre. And this was a surprisingly good match. I I enjoyed this match. This is where, like, Raw really started to turn around for me. Uh, it was a back-and-forth match. The B-team actually got a, a considerable amount of offense in. They did. Axel hit a beautiful, perfect plex. Might been, it might have been their best match. Yeah, it might have. Because most of the matches, they fluke into a win. Tribute to Daddy was nice. Yeah. He, he, it was a beautiful, perfect plus, too. You, I mean, you just said it, but he and got then, that at him. And then the finish came when uh, Bo Dallas took a sick bump into the middle turnbuckle, and then uh, Ziggler and McIntyre hit the combo Claymore kick zigzag to Curtis Axel. I like that move. They, 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 they time it right, it looks really it's good. It's a great tag finisher, it is. And then we have new Raw Tag Team Champions. So that's that's two championships to Dolph in one year, so good on him. That, doesn't, that hasn't happened for him a lot in the last couple of years. No. And then, I cannot believe what we saw next. This was the best part of the night. They cut backstage to the Authors of Pain walking backstage, but they weren't alone. Drake Maverick was in Authors of Pain gear, awesome. walking with them. That's awesome. It's so cool. <laughs> he, he, people, like I said, uh, we put on our Twitter, people were laughing about it, it could be really good. No, he is very good. Yeah, Drake could, be a, Drake could be a great mouthpiece for them. I wish they called him Spud. I mean, I, if, they wanna, if he wants to be somewhat taken seriously, it can't be called Rockstar Spud. You know what I mean? Like it's a great name, but if they want to somewhat take him, there's a man named Donovan Dijakovic in, in, in NXT. <laughs> First of all, it's Dominic Dijakovic. Di- there's, like, there's a big Di- difference. There's a big difference. Nah, but I see what you're saying. You know what I mean? I see what you're saying, but I mean Drake Dra- Maverick sounds like a porn director. <laughs> Drake Maverick isn't the best name ever, but but Drake Maverick in uh, Authors of Pain gear is the best thing ever. Him holding it up when they won the match. <laughs> he, he's like, he's like oh, holding he's, their arms up as he's like he's trying to reach. Their up arms aren't even raised, and he's holding shit, them up as high wow. as possible. Those guys are huge. They're big boys. So. I saw like seeing them live was impressive. Yeah, like, they're bigger than you can even possibly imagine. So uh, Drake comes out and he says, "Yes, I am the general manager of Two Five Live, but now I'm also the manager of the Authors of Pain." And then the AOP proceeded to squash two local talent quickly, and then we had the great visual of Drake Maverick trying to lift the Authors of Pain arms. So up next, this might have been the, the segment of the night. Shawn Michaels came out, and he said he thinks his best buddy Triple H will win at Super Showdown. And apparently that pissed off The Undertaker. So John Cena calls out The Undertaker for five months. He can't be bothered to show up. And then Shawn Michaels says, you can't be my friend and Undertaker. And dong! Insta, Insta-gong. You know what, though? I still get shells in that gongles off. Absolutely. Yeah, oh yeah. Shawn Michaels and Undertaker, anytime they're in the ring together, where it's a promo, a match, it's just magic. So Undertaker comes out, and he cuts a great promo. He's not the only one that cut a great promo. Yeah, no, Michaels Michaels cut a great promo, too, saying he retired out of respect for The Undertaker, but then The Undertaker said he did it because he's afraid. So, I don't know if they're planting seeds for something down the road. We'll be at WrestleMania 35, and if dear God, if Shawn Michaels wrestles at that show. I mean, they gave him new merch. Why would they give him new merch? Well, yeah, exactly. Why would they give him new and merch? And why would they tease this year a coward for not wrestling again? Like, I Maybe they're not planting something, but it feels like they're planting something. I don't know, but uh, I'm excited. Uh, like I said, they're only going to do that match of Mania. Yeah. And we'll be there, and if he wrestles at that match, if he wrestles at that show, I will cry for 45 straight days. But um, uh, they're hyping up this glorified house show match a lot. and it's kind of. I think they kind of want to get rid of like the stigmas of Saudi Arabia. Yeah. So they want to make this one bigger than that one. Well, I mean, the, the Saudi Arabia thing was more like, yeah, it was a glorified house show, but everyone knew it was a glorified house show. I think yeah. the issue more there was with the women and the same yeah. Zane. Yeah, no, that's what I mean. Like yeah. they, they want, they want, uh, they want the image for Australia to be the the 
flag bearer for this. Well, they're going back to Saudi Arabia next month, uh, November, I think. Are they going to tell I don't think it's right? televised. No, I don't think it's no. televised. No. But yeah, so Triple H and Mick Foley were announced for next week's Raw, which is interesting. Uh, and perhaps the weirdest match of the night, Sasha Banks, Bailey defeat Sasha Banks and Bailey defeated Dana Brooke and Ember Moon and damn it I thought we were gonna get through a raw without a boss time or here comes the big dog and we didn't <laughs> I said it at about 10 p.m. like holy crap they did not say it's boss time or here comes the big dog or here comes the big dog all night are we gonna get a night are we gonna get a break from these Michael Coleisms? of course not because Sasha Banks came out and he said it as enthusiastic as ever part of me thinks he says it just because he knows everyone hates it or Vince is in his ear well, I, I think that too, but like Michael Cole enjoys saying it. Like, it's oh, not, he truly he loves trolling everybody. It's not one of the things where like Michael Cole's like, ah, oh, here comes the big dog. Michael Cole's a wonderful announcer. So it's, here comes the big dog. He like, ejaculated last week. He, he just screamed it as loud as he can. He lives to say it, which makes me think like he knows everyone hates it. Yeah. So he just like he takes pride in saying it. So anyway, Banks won by a roll up after Dana Brooke was distracted by uh, Titus Worldwide, and Dana Brooke quit the group after the match. So. I don't know where that's going. I heard Apollo might be getting a singles push, so I'd be cool with that. I think he's, he's a talented guy. I think Apollo and Gable make a good tag team. Yeah, if we're doing random tag teams, Apollo and Gable would be a good one. They're both athletic as hell. And uh, with all respect to Braun Strowman, uh, Apollo Crews is a mountain of a man. He's a physical specimen. Yeah, he's just cut out of stone. So we, we are shown Bobby Lashley ba uh, sitting backstage reading a note that he was given by Baron Corbin, which says he has to attend a mandatory meditation session in the middle of the ring with Jinder Mahal. Why? 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 Yeah, why? Because he needed need anger management. Stop. Don't defend this. I know he tried defending it on Twitter, but don't defend it. Please don't defend it. Okay. I'm not defending it, but it's not any better or worse than a parade of human penises Carrying somebody's dead body out. But at least there, there, there was a reason in storyline. There was no reason for this. This is time filler and to set up KO and Lashley. That's all it was. It was, which I'm pissed KO came back. But, uh... So but anyway... Like, just dicks. The, 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 the dicks and the anger management is the same thing. No, it's not, because I'm... I want to get into this right now. Is, is there more box of gimmicks than, hey, penis wrestler? But whether you like Joey Ryan or not, that's not the point. Because no, I know. I'm not I, a big I, fan of Joey Ryan. I understand. Ryan. But there, this was a payoff to a storyline that was like months in the making. Like this, this was they built to it. They just had a random meditation session. They're not the same thing. I guess you're right. They're not the same thing. But it's still, it's ridiculous. Anyway, Bobby Lashley jokingly plays along with it until he's attacked from behind by Kevin Owens. So that's basically where the segment went. Lita versus Mickey James was announced at Evolution. Which, how do you feel about that one? A lot of people thought Sasha Banks would get the lead of match. I thought she should get the lead of match. Maybe they're doing the women's tag team thing after all. Maybe that's what they're saving. Yeah. Or maybe Bailey, right. maybe her Bailey will finally turn by that point. I mean, I'm sure they have something planned for but... Yeah, but... Uh, Mickey I, versus I would like Lita is kind of random. It is. I would love to see Sasha and, and Lita. Yeah. That's just ridiculous a match. It's suicide dives everywhere. So the main event was Braun Strowman versus Finn Balor. Strowman won after a power slam... Balor got a little bit of offense, and he got he had a sick double stomp to the back of the neck, which looked pretty devastating. And then after the match, uh, Scott Steiner. After the match, the Pack beat down Finn Balor, and they were gonna power bomb him onto the steps until uh, the Big Bad Booty Daddy rolled in. Holler if you hear me. They looked. They sound. I'm pretty sure they were the same sound effect. No, they were like as Scott Steiner's entrance music. You could tell like the police van wasn't running sirens. You could tell like the sirens were piped in. Like it was, and I'm pretty sure they were the oh, Scott Steiner yeah, sirens. I'm sure it was because it sounded just like it. I'm sure it was. So uh, Dean Ambrose is not driving the van. Like, why not? They should have been. The big dog was driving the van because dogs you, cannot drive. You got to make Roman look strong. You got to make Roman look strong. <laughs> funny. Also, funny thing is, they said they were released upon their own fruition, and now they're going back to jail because they stole a police vehicle. Yeah, it's like they they bailed themselves out, but then they go and immediately steal guys steal a police like. What were they like? Hey, can we borrow this real quick? We gotta make it back to the show to beat up Braun Strowman. And shout out to Mike Rome for keeping us updated. Yeah, uh, Mike Rome at the precinct. I'm sure. I'm sure he was uh, live on scene keeping us updated. So he had he had the scoop. So then, the shield come down. They look like they're ready to fuck shit up. When all of a sudden, every heel on the Raw roster just comes out. Kevin Owens smashed oh, Seth Rollins and Dean Ambrose. So it was yeah. a two for one special. He smashed them. Yeah. He was... he How Jinder ran at the beginning of the night, that's how Kevin was running at the end of the night. Yeah. So, some of these heels out there included Drew Gulak. Gabba Gulak. 
and Mike Kanellis, geek. So all these all these guys just beat down the shield. Uh, Rollins took a sick bump into the window of the police van, and his arm was cut pretty bad. I don't know if you saw it, but his arm—I actually didn't. His arm was bleeding pretty bad, and it was it was on uh, Victor's chest of the Ascension because he was holding him up. Psycho. So uh, they basically Braun beats up Roman, uh, Drew beats up uh, Ambrose, and Ziggler beats up Rollins, and they all drag them to one pile, and the pack get in the ring. And they do the Braun Strowman roar. For the third this. time that night. And it got better every time. Oh, it's fantastic. They time it so well. So that was raw. Uh, first hour sucked. Second hour is pretty good. And I give it a, I give it a B minus, I guess. I think it was the C worst P episode plus, since SummerSlam. C plus B minus, somewhere in that yeah. range. I think it was the worst episode since SummerSlam. That's fair. Because I think Rod's been pretty good lately, actually. That's fair. Uh, three hours is just too long, man. And I know it's not their fault. USA is paying them to do three hours, and they're not going to turn down the money. But uh, three hours is just too long. Yeah, it's it's. We I noticed it sitting here at nine thirty. Like, oh, it's just another hour and a half of this. Yeah. And there's like few like wrestling and football I can watch, and golf I can watch all day, but it's just long ass stuff. Yeah. So uh, now to the moment I know you've been waiting for. Yeah, we've been having a WWE versus indie argument all night, and Tony has a question for me. Now you see, I love I love the WWE. It's my first love. It's the first wrestling I ever watched. But like. I have a deep respect for independent wrestling, and I know you said that the only reason the Garden Show sold out was because it's WrestleMania weekend. After seeing the success of StarCast and All In, do you still believe that if they had that Garden Show next weekend that it wouldn't sell out? If they had it next weekend? Yeah, if that show was next weekend, you don't think that show would be sold out? How long have they promoted it? Would they have promoted it instead of StarCast? You're not getting eighteen thousand fans to that to that arena in one week. It's just a hypothetical. Like it, they they've been promoting it since like. April. I don't know. It's a tough question. I was a little harsh on that stance. Uh, I think it would have come close to selling out. Now, mind you, I I will give you that the only reason it sold out so fast was that it was because that it was Mania weekend. But I firmly believe that with the state that of independent wrestling that we're in right now, it would have sold out regardless. Yeah, I think I think you might be correct. I'm I'm glad I'm glad you see it that way. I think you might be correct. I didn't feel that way for a while, but all in sold out in ten minutes, wherever it was. Thirty yeah, minutes. Thirty minutes, yeah. And just like there was people who went to Starcast that didn't even go to All In. It was just That's where I would have I think it, I would have found a house show from for the better for the better wrestling. <sighs> <laughs> you You're gonna kill me. It's just like, cause I know it's a gimmick. I know you'd if you if you if you had the chance to go to all in you would have went. Stop. Oh my god, yeah. Stop. I passed him my do Pentagon. He's the best wrestler on the show. And uh anyway. Better that Naito fuck. <laughs> what do you have against Naito? Just I don't think he belongs in the top ten this year. First of all, the PW five hundred doesn't mean anything. The no, list it doesn't. is the list is skewed, but it they, is. at least they got the top three, right? I'll give him that. No, it was four, it was four Rollins. I forget. Five I was right. Or no, four was Lesnar. Four was Lesnar. Five was yeah. five was Rollins. Six was six, Rollins, six right? is Roman. Yeah, they got the top three right. Yeah, they did. I think though those three have could be put in any order. I know we talked about it Saturday, yeah. but no, yeah, they they could. Guys, I, I personally think it's Okada still, but his year wasn't the best as we lost the title. That's fair. I mean, you can make the argument for any of those three guys. They're just I think those three guys are AJ Okada and uh, Kenny are undisputedly the top three. Whatever order you put them in, that's up to you. But uh, yeah, I'm glad I'm glad you've seen the error of your ways. And like, obviously, I don't know, man. It's just it's hypothetical. All in was just like it opened my eyes. I it showed that like. Cody gave them Cody and the Bucks gave the fans everything they wanted to see. Yes. They gave them Pyro. Yes. They gave them a unique stage design. They gave them they gave them Cody winning the NWA championship. They did everything right. They did everything right. So uh I guess let's get into what we're here to get into. Since we need a topic for today, we decided very last minute to uh cover Chris Jericho's run from 2007 to 2010. Just because we figured that would be his like most relevant run that we could cover without doing a ton of research, because if we covered from his debut to like oh one, we would four episodes. We would have had to do. Plus, we had to do a lot of research, and we didn't have a lot of time since we just decided to do this episode today. So a lot of this episode is just going to be me reading from his Wikipedia and us giving our opinion of it from where we were wrestling fans at and the time. I really think this was the beginning of his run. 
Yeah, this is arguably his best run because this is this is uh first. His two best runs were the most recent run in WWE and this one. Yeah, and so he he started going at the GOAT status as this one. The current New Japan runs probably probably up there too, but I know you're a WWE guy, so I'll let it slide. So uh, saying New Japan is wrestling. So and Jericho, wow. So his last appearance before coming back in 2007 was the August 22nd, 2005 ed- edition of Monday Night Raw. Someone got carried out. Yes. Jericho faced Cena in a rematch for the WWE Championship in a You're Fired match. John Cena won, and Jericho was fired by Raw General Manager Eric Bischoff. Jericho was carried out of the arena by security, and his contract officially expired August 25th, and he was a free man. So Jericho said in his book that it wasn't anything personal WWE. It wasn't mad WWE, but he was just burnt out of wrestling, and he needed time off. So he spent two years away from wrestling. He didn't appear in any other companies. He didn't do any gigs. He just worked on his band Fozzie and wrote a book and lived life. So then, after a two-year hiatus, uh, they started promoting Jericho. I hated him back then. What, in like 05? Yeah. Or? I was like, I was still a kid, so like, I'm like, this guy, I hate him. I hate him. He was such a good heel. I hated the. I hated his fucking guts. Yeah. So uh, after a two-year hiatus, WWE promoted Jericho's return starting September 24th, 2007, with a campaign uh, using like 15 seconds. It was like cryptic codes. Uh, were you watching at the time? I was. I was. I actually remember exactly where I was when he returned. Did you know it was Jericho? Yes, it was pretty obvious. It was pretty obvious, but, you know, obviously we were like, how old were we then? That was, what, 11 years ago? So I would have been, I'd have been 11, I'd have been 12. 12. Yeah. So obviously we weren't reading the dirt sheets back then, but I figured it was Jericho too. The Seva, like the, like, you had to, I, I remember going on YouTube and just like, Watching the videos and pausing them to get the hints, like break the walls down, is in there, and there's just all these little clues if you pause it at the right time. Yeah, I mean it was pretty obvious it was Jericho. It really couldn't be anybody else. Yeah, it was like the fucking Highlanders weren't gonna come out. Like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'm Robbie, and this is my cousin Rory. <laughs> good, good reference. That's a pretty random reference. So the videos contained uh, hidden messages and biblical links that related to Jericho. It was very Matrix-like. It was. So Jericho officially made his return to television on November 19th, 2007, uh, during an edition of Raw after Survivor Series, when he interrupted Orton's passing of the torch ceremony. So if you don't remember what this was, Orton literally had a guy running through, I believe it was Fort Lauderdale, Florida, and he had a guy like running through the streets with a torch, and he was going to bring it all the way to the ring, and he was going to pass the torch to Orton, which sounds ridiculous, because it was ridiculous, but as soon as he runs in the arena, he eats a mean lariat. And you just see the Jericho pose. I think the camera guy fucked up. I think the shot was a little too low. Yeah. Because you like you obviously saw it was Jericho. Yeah. So then uh, he interrupts Orton and he reveals that he had intentions to save the fans from Orton's supercuts, haircut, and boring monotonous promos. And he just cut a typical Jericho, pro- Jericho babyface promo that everyone loves. And he revealed that he had intentions to uh, challenge Randy Orton for the WWE Championship. So, uh, you said you remember right where you were when you came back. What were your What were your thoughts when you came back? I'm like, oh, this guy again. Because, like you said, I hated oh, yeah, him. you didn't like him at the time. So that's. Well, I mean, he didn't like him. Like I was didn't know the difference at the time. Right, right. We we're. Young I mean, kids, I did, so. but like I just thought that's who he was. I yeah. was just a dick. But he, I didn't really start liking him until he became hypocrite, Jericho. Oh, that's the best. Which we'll get to in a little bit. So. Jericho, on the November 26th episode of Raw, Jericho defeated uh, Santino Morella in a very funny promo where he kept, uh, where he kept uh, calling his name wrong. He said Santana, uh, San Chico, Santito, Santa, Santa Maria, I believe. He just like, he took another Jericho funny promo. And uh, this is where he debuted the Codebreaker. He didn't defeat him with the Walls of Jericho. He didn't defeat him with the Lion Salt. He beat him with the Codebreaker. What are your thoughts as, on the Codebreaker as a finisher? I love it. Yeah, I think it's a good move. It's a good move. The walls, I mean, it's just a crab. Yeah, except when he turns in. I think he's got the lion tamer, too. Sometimes he it's buries the knee like, in the it's back. It's the walls. It's just the walls. With the, it's a cooler version of the walls. It's a much more devastating-looking version of the walls. So, yeah, especially the new... Like you said, the new Japan code breaker he's been doing has been really cool because he's just been running full speed across the ring and wailing people with it on one knee. And it's just it's like it's like the Shrog-style version of the code breaker. He yeah, found it. it's awesome. So then we're at Armageddon. We, 2007, we have Chris Jericho competing in the WWE Championship match against Randy Orton, where he defeated him by disqualification when SmackDown color, color commentator John Bradshaw Layfield interfered in the match. I don't know if you remember this. I don't. Okay, so basically what happened was Jericho and Orton were uh, having a match, and Orton threw Jericho like over the SmackDown announce table into JBL, 
And like when Jericho got up to like try to get back in the match, he, he like gave JBL like a little just shove out of the way. And that pissed JBL off, so he ran in the ring and fucking booted him. He gave him he a big boot. Didn't even give him the clothesline? No, it's a big boot. Just disrespectful. So this this began a feud with JBL, and they met at Royal Rumble 2008. Do you remember the Royal Rumble 2008 match? I do. I don't know how you'd forget it because Jericho is disqualified after hitting JBL with like one of the sickest chair shots of the head of. Oh, the sound! Oh my god, it just dented the chair. Yeah, it, it was, was a, disgusting. So Jer- a good good Rumble too. It was 2008 was a good Rumble. That was a Cena. That was a Cena return Rumble. So then uh, Jericho would, would uh, compete in the Elimination Chamber match in February for a chance to face the WWE Champion at uh, WrestleMania. He would be unsuccessful. But on the March 10th episode of Raw, he would capture the Intercontinental Championship for a record eighth time when he defeated Jeff Hardy, and that would not be the last time he would hold that championship. No, one more time? Yeah. Two more times if you count the fake one. Are you really going to start this like right now? <laughs> Folks, he's a gimmick. He loves New Japan. He pays for New Japan World every month. He's a gimmick. Don't buy it. Is it not the fake Intercontinental Championship? How is it the fake Intercontinental Championship? It's like five years old. So? <laughs> is the Universal Championship the fake world title? Yes. <laughs> I guess if we can have that logic then, okay, I'll give it to you. Uh, so in April 2008, Jericho became involved in what might be the most legendary feud of the run. Uh, Shawn Michaels. Best feud of his life. Uh, this this uh, happened when Batista and Shawn Michaels were in their own feud. Batista said that Michaels enjoyed retiring Ric Flair, which caused Michaels to attack him. And for some reason, Jericho wanted to be involved in this match. There wasn't really a reason at the time. But then general manager William Regal said he could be the referee. But Jericho was pissed because he wanted to be a triple threat. So during the match at Backlash, Michaels faked a, a knee injury so that Jericho would give him time to recover. And he hit Batista with a fucking sweet chin music out of nowhere for the win. Which was... One of Michael's best speech in music, in my opinion. He just leveled Batista. Which is amazing. This was 10 years after he was supposed to retire. Yeah. It's wild. Uh, so after Backlash, Jericho began accusing Michaels of cheating, but Michaels continued to play up an injury. They formed a tag team for a little bit, like a couple weeks, just because just Jericho's like, you're not hurt, let's be a tag team. And Y2HK. Kind of. Kind of similar. Y2HPK. So uh, Jer- when Jericho is finally convinced and apologized... Michaels admitted that he was faking the injury. So, like, Michaels was the heel, but he was the baby face because he admitted he faked the injury, and he leveled Jericho with a sweet chin music. And uh, this resulted in them having a match at Judgment Day, and Jericho lost, and he shook Michaels' hand after the match, which so all seemed well, all seemed cool. Nice little call back to WrestleMania 19. Except he didn't punt him in the dick this Except time. Except he didn't dick kick him. So, at the beginning of this feud, what were, what were your thoughts on... Uh, the whole Batista, Jericho, Michaels triangle. I was I wanted to get to Jericho. This is the Jericho started getting cool. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to get to Jericho and Michaels, I remember. Which it did. This is around this time Jericho is still technically a babyface, yeah. but he started showing like heel eggs. Like he was like he was showing, I had no idea what was in front of me. Yeah. Oh yeah, we're getting that would have happened the next year. So on the June 9th episode of Raw, Chris Jericho hosted an episode of the Highlight Reel featuring Shawn Michaels. Jericho pointed out that Michaels was still cheered by the fans despite Michaels lying. And uh, Jericho was booed for trying to do the right thing. And that was true. And you know what they say, all good heels are justified. Yes. So Jericho was justified in saying like, wait, why the hell are you cheering this guy? Like, I'm the one who told the truth. He lied about an injury. Just because he's Shawn Michaels doesn't mean you cheer him. So eventually Jericho had enough. And he gave Michaels a low blow and sent Michaels to the Jerichon 6000. Uh, was that really the thing back then? Yes. Because I, I knew he had it at the run after that. Yeah. But uh, I wasn't sure if he had it. The run before, before it was the Jerichon 5000. And by this point, he updated the Jerichon 6000. Mm, he was making that band money, you know? Yeah. So he damaged Michael's eye, which Michael's, if you've ever seen Michael's eyes, you know they're, you know they're, cro- you know they're like, I don't want to sound mean, but you know Michael's eyes. Let's, don't- just, let's just say his wife might accuse him of seeing a woman on the side. Yeah, Michael's, his eyes don't point in the same direction. So like. And, like, they never pointed it out in storyline until after the Jericho attack. So, basically, in kayfabe, Jericho is the reason that Michaels is cross-eyed. Jesus. That's That's not funny, but it's hilarious at the same time. But uh, I don't know if you're... I'm sure you remember him being put through the Jerichon. He was a bloody mess. Oh, my God. Did that go right, or was that supposed to how that... Did that go right? Because he was cut up. Yeah. So, this is the first... They weren't yet PG yet. So, this is... They were getting there about another month. Yeah. So this began the feud that was named by both Pro Wrestling Illustrated and your favorite, the Wrestling Observer Newsletter, 
Big Daddy D. As the feud of the year. So we move on to uh, Night of Champions, where Chris Jericho defended his Intercontinental Championship to against Kofi Kingston. And Kofi Kingston defeated him after Shawn Michaels uh, distracted Jericho and Kofi capitalized the trouble in paradise. Fun fact, that was, Co- that was Kofi's first WWE Championship. It was? And it was around this time that Chris Jericho took on a protege. I don't know if you remember this. Lance Cade. And uh, unfortunately, Lance Cade is no longer with us. Uh, He had his struggles with addiction and painkillers and all that. And unfortunately, he's not with us anymore. But what were your thoughts on that? When did he die? 2009. I don't remember that. Yeah. He he got fired from the company like late 2008, I believe. And then in 2009, he was no longer with us. He had like a seizure on a plane or something. Oh, shit. I do remember that. Yeah. Why did I think that was Luther Reigns? No, never, never no, mind. Luther Reigns is alive. He's still, he's Luther Reigns is still around. Yeah, but uh, I'm sorry. What was the question? What were your thoughts on Lance Kate as a worker? He was trained by Shawn Michaels. He was in the yeah. same class as Brian Kendrick and Daniel Bryan, that legendary Shawn Michaels class. You'll never know because he only was only, only had a year. Yeah, uh, I I always thought he was underrated. I loved him in a tag team with Trevor Murdoch. I thought he was. Oh, I like Cade Murdoch. Yeah, I like Cade Murdoch. I thought Murdoch was better than people thought. I don't remember if you going back even further. He was Garrison Cade, and he teamed with Mark Jindrak in like two thousand three, two thousand four. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I always thought he had potential, man. And it's just a shame that things didn't go his way because I thought he could have could have been a little could have been a good hand in the company. Crazy business, man. Absolutely. So afterwards, uh, around this time, July two thousand eight. Chris Jericho developed a suit-wearing, self-righteous, honest man gimmick. Uh, he said in his book that it was inspired by the film No Country for Old Men. He likes doing that. Yeah. He likes doing uh, the movie references. He's very good at taking stuff from pop culture and like putting it into his Which gimmick. I'm a pop culture nerd, so like that's all about it. So in doing so, he pretty much ditched every trademark of the Y2J character, like including like talking very charismatic. He didn't say again. He didn't do any of his. He talked very slowly and monotone, like a serial killer. He, I swear to God, he had ever he tried to travel to the thesaurus because he called people mesomorph, sycophants, uh, parasites. He just had like all these big words, four syllable words, shit Jim Rome would say. Yeah, he had like all these words just to describe how despicable people were. So the new gimmick, a lot of people compared it to AWA legend Nick Bockwinkle. Didn't they, didn't, wasn't he based off Bachwinkle as well? Yeah. Jericho, I think, even said it's between uh, which McCall from True Grit and Nick Bachwinkle. Yeah, I don't know if you've ever seen any of Nick Bachwinkle's promos. Yo, great. Yeah. He was great. Yeah, Nick Bachwinkle's very underrated. He, like, he's the one that started the, uh, the conversational style promo. Yeah. Uh, so, anyway, that led to the Great American Bash where uh, Shawn Michaels faced Chris Jericho. And I don't know if you remember this match, but this match was even bloodier than the Jerotron incident. There's... There's a little picture for you. Uh, oh yeah. He worked over the eye. Sean bladed it like right under the eye. This like this is I believe this was the last night. This is why blading is no longer allowed because Sean bled so much in this match. Uh, You're right. It was it was right after Great American Bash 2008. So that's the last night blading was allowed. Yeah, and it, the blading getting ditched wasn't even because of PG. It was because of this match because Sean bled like a mother. Like Sean bled boatloads of blood. Just look at this picture. Look at how much blood it, look at how much blood of Sean's is on even Jericho. Like he is bleeding like Jesus Christ. Yeah, so we'll have to post this picture on Twitter when we post a show tomorrow just because it's crazy how much Sean is bleeding. And Jericho won the match due to referee stoppage after the ref stopped the match due to Sean's uh bleeding. So then we got the SummerSlam. And uh this is where the feud really got to start to pick up. So at SummerSlam, Shawn Michaels cut a promo and he said he had to retire because of the eye injury. And uh, Jericho came out and said that he refused to let Sean retire due to the eye injury. He wanted Sean to admit that Jericho is the reason he was retiring. And, you know, Sean played it off, and he just tried to leave. And Jericho tried to punch Sean, but Sean ducked, and he nailed Sean's wife, Rebecca. And it was supposed to be a working punch, but it was yeah, not. She stepped into it instead of stepping away from it. It was not a working punch. Jericho clobbered her. Yes. She had a black eye, and... And I think Sean and Jericho both admit it on uh, Talk Is Jericho, Chris's podcast, that that was the best thing that happened for the feud because yeah. Rebecca just got a black eye. She didn't lose any teeth. She didn't break a nose. She didn't break a jaw. It was just just it was just uh, it was just a black eye. Yeah, black eye. But was just, it uh, convinced visual. it convinced people that like, oh god, there's some real heat here. Like these guys do not like each other. He punched his wife. They're gonna kill each other when they have a match. Like. It added another layer to the feud, and it really helped. Uh, See, he wouldn't have got heat in Columbus because they wouldn't have said he punched his wife. Oh, Urban Meyer. You see, Elias didn't sneak in the Urban Meyer jokes. He had to sneak it in. Yeah, you're goddamn right. So anyway, that leads us to Unforgiven 2008. God, don't you miss some of these old pay-per-view names? Yeah, I do. Unforgiven, Vengeance, Bad Blood. 
Even the Backlash great, is thrown around. Even and the Great so American is, Bash, man. I'd yeah. love I'd love to have that back. And uh, No Mercy still around, which is good. Not anymore. Not anymore. It was it last was. year. No Mercy. So at Unforgiven, they had an unsanctioned match, which was brutal. Uh, Sean whipped the hell out of Jericho with his belts. Uh, Remember the welts on Jericho's back. Yeah. Basically, if you never saw this match, go to Unforgiven 2008, watch it. I remember watching it live. Just watch this whole feud. Yeah. I remember watching this match live, and I was just like, holy hell. Like, they, Sean beat that hell out of Jericho. Like, it wasn't completely one-sided, but it was like, it was a convincing win for Shawn Michaels. And we thought that would be the end of the feud, but later on in the night, CM Punk got his head kicked, kicked in by Randy Orton, and CM Punk was the world heavyweight champion at the time. And CM Punk was not able to defend his world championship. So Chris Jericho came out in the championship scramble match, which I don't remember that concept. Uh, two guys start, every five minutes another guy comes in, and whoever gets a pin is the current champion. And whoever's the current champion at the end of 20 minutes would be the official champion. I like that. I like that little thing. That was, that was the match where Brian Kendrick was the WWE champion for like 15 minutes. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, it's not officially recognized, but... That's funny. Brian Kendrick was the WWE champion for like 15 minutes. Was that on Raw or was that on... Unforgiven. Yeah, Unforgiven. Yeah, there was three... There was, all three title matches were on... on there was an ECW one, a WWE one, and a World Heavyweight one. Which, imagine, Brian Kendrick had enough stock to be in a WWE title pay-per-view match, which is kind of crazy. He had some heat back then. He did. That was just when he started the Brian Kendrick with Ezekiel Jackson. But anyway, back to Jericho. Jericho came in as the last entrance, and he is like dragging himself to the ring. Uh, he's like... His face is all swollen. He's, he has welts everywhere. And somehow he manages to win the world title after he pins Kane, who was hit with a spine buster by Batista. Wasn't fair. This is poor Kane. Always Kane. Kane always... Kane is the biggest jobber to ever go in the Hall of Fame, I think. He's lost so many fucking matches. So on the same night where... I believe he's lost the most pay-per-view matches in history, if I'm correct. It's either he's, him also, the, he's also probably had the most pay-per-view matches. It's either him or the Big Show. I think they're one and two. But, yeah, so on the same night, Chris Jericho had the hell beat out of him by Shawn Michaels. He became the world champion. So this led to a classic, No Mercy 2008. Second best ladder match ever. Chris Jericho, Shawn Michaels, a ladder match. This match is another brutal one. Jericho lost a tooth. Uh, Jericho was bleeding, and it was hard away because they weren't blading. Yeah. And the finish came where uh, they were both, they were both, uh, they were both like trying to fight for the belt. It was in both their arms, and eventually Jericho came down with it. And uh, Jericho retained the world title, and that was the feud under. And just what a feud, man. What a feud. This made your list for uh, best, our best rivalries it episode. Did. It did, because it deserves to be there, man. It was just such a great feud. It was. Watch, I think it's the second, lap, second best ladder match ever. That's hard to argue. That's It's definitely up there. I think I, Razor, Razor and Sean. Wow, I really Sean was probably in the, the two best ladder matches of all time. Yeah. Because that Razor and Shine match does not disappoint. Just like All In did not disappoint. If you, if you had the expectations. Stop being a gimmick, man. I am being a gimmick. I love this show. You you watched it with me. You know I was here. So we move on to Cyber Sunday, where Jericho's next feud was Batista, where he dropped the world title after just about a month and a half to Batista in a match where Stone Cold Steve Austin was a special guest referee. Uh... But eight days later, Jericho be- would defeat Batista to win the title back in a steel cage match. And this is the infamous match where Batista got a $100,000 fine for blading. Yeah. Uh, do you recall that? Uh, Jericho was, I do. Jericho like, ripped a piece of the cage off and beat him with a piece of the cage and Batista bladed it. And uh, Vince set an example of him. Which I guess is... I don't know how I feel on it. I mean, if... Selfishly, like... I miss it. Yeah, absolutely. But I completely understand it. Yeah, it's it's one of those things where like it'd be nice if they could do it, but it's not necessary to tell a story. But I will say, going back to All In for a second, Cody Blading added so much to that match. He did. It did. So, moving on, Jericho would defeat Shawn Michaels in a last man standing match on the November 10th episode of Raw after interference from JBL, which would set up the JBL Michaels feud. And uh, Jericho would be put in a feud with a returning John Cena who John Cena was out after having neck surgery from a match against Batista at SummerSlam 2008. And uh, Survivor Series was in the best arena in the world, the TD Garden, which I've never been in, unfortunately. I've been in it. You're a mark. So many banners. A lot of banners. Bet you're jealous. It's all about... It's going to be 18 this year, baby. And the Bruins are going to win? Well, the Bruins don't have 17. Use your head. No. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're the best team in the East. 
And they're the best team in the Atlantic. All right, let's go. What? Mm. I'm gonna let it slide just because we have a, we have two more years to cover. It's very hot in this room. So when someone was announced that Cena was returning at uh, in his hometown for the world title, did you have any doubts that he was gonna not win the title? No. All right, everyone assumed he was going to win the title, and he did. So he had another match with Cena at Armageddon, and once again he lost. So in the January 12th episode of Raw, Stephanie McMahon fired Jericho, but uh, he was rehired after uh, making a public apology, and I don't know what the deal with that was. It was just embarrassed Jericho, That's I guess. 2009. Yeah. Uh, Bob Barker's coming up. Bob Barker's coming up. You know what else is coming up? We'll break the walls down. Another underrated part of his career. I might have to play that when we get there. But on February 15th in No Way Out, he, he participated in the World Heavyweight Championship Elimination Chamber match, and he lost. And uh, now we build to WrestleMania 25. Was that the was that the cham- was that the chamber where Taker got burned? No, that was two that was the one he we'll get we'll get there in 2010. Okay. But uh, do you want to hear the other names in this chamber? Yes. John Cena, of course. Rey Mysterio, Edge, Kane, and you're not gonna believe this last name. Mark Jindrak. No, he was not in the company in 2009. Yeah, uh, the Mike Knox. Above average Mike Knox. No, it's Mike Sanders. No, it's Mike Harris. No, what is it? It is Mike Sanders. Mike Sanders? It is Mike Sanders. Mike Knox, the fucking beard. That's a weird... So after this, Jericho had started a non-screen feud with the star of The Wrestler, Mickey Rourke, and uh, Hall of Famers. And this was supposed to lead to Mickey Rourke versus Chris Jericho at WrestleMania. But then Jericho went on, I think it was, was it Larry King? been like the Today Show or something. It was... Uh, I think it was either Larry King or David Letterman. I think it was David Letterman. And uh, he basically said about how he was going to destroy Mickey Rourke and he was going to beat the shit out of Mickey Rourke. But Mickey Rourke thought it was a shoot, so he backed out of the match. That's amazing. Yeah. Uh, Rourke thought Jericho was going to shoot on him, so he got a posse, including Bruce Prichard, to come to WrestleMania with him to protect him because he still wanted to go to the show. So if you never heard that story... uh, I have. Bruce told him why, why Bruce got fired. Yes, yes. Uh, which is a crazy story. Why was Bruce... Like, what the hell? How, how does Mickey Rourke know Bruce Prichard? Yeah. But anyway, that's, I just thought that was... Insane. So instead, they, the match was... Uh, Jericho started challenging Larry Hall of King. Famers. It was Larry King. Jericho challenged Ric Flair, Roddy Piper, Jimmy Snuka, and Ricky Steamboat on various episodes of Raw leading up to WrestleMania. And that led to a three-on-one elimination match... Or he defeated Jimmy Snuka, Ricky Steamboat, and Roddy Piper with Flair in their corner. And this kind of led to a cool moment where we got to see Ricky Steamboat and Jericho one-on-one. And God Ricky damn, Steamboat, this God match, damn, man, Ricky Steamboat still had This it. little feud was so cool because yeah, it was the, the, Piper was cutting some of the best promos of his career. Yeah. And... Snuka and, got hit in the co- with a coconut again by Jericho. I just think... I think uh, Jericho is a good mix... A mixture between Piper and... Steamboat. Yeah, he works like Steamboat, but he can talk like Piper. That's that's a good comparison. And yeah. he talks a, like a lot like Piper. And Steamboat was his hero, so it had to be yeah. a thrill to like share the ring. And Steamboat still had Steam- it. Oh, Steamboat! Steamboat! <laughs> Steamboat. Oh, he, he threw man. he threw those beautiful arm drags, yeah. and the crowd went nuts. So after the match, Jericho challenged Rourke, who was ringside uh, for the event, to come in the ring, and Rourke knocked him out. A uh, working punch, I assume, and then. The next night on Raw, Jericho lost a 10-man tag, which involved Ricky Steamboat, which, which continued their mini-feud. So then comes the draft, April 13th, 2009 episode of Raw. Jericho was drafted to SmackDown. Uh, Ricky Steamboat interrupted Jericho's Raw farewell address and challenged him to a match at Backlash, where, once again, Ricky Steamboat still had it. He faced Chris Jericho in a singles match at Backlash. It did he like, hit the crossbody? He did. He hit the crossbody. It went amazing. like a good 15 minutes, and Jericho eventually won, but Steamboat looked good, man. I forget which which WWE game it was, but it was so hard to do the small package roll-up in the challenge <laughs> mode for rest, Savage Steamboat WrestleMania 3. Was it Legends of WrestleMania? Was it that game? No, I know. I love that game. I have that game. No, this was like a recent 2K game. You had to like go through Oh, it was 2K14. 2K14, 2K14 yep. Because that, that was like the 30 years of WrestleMania. Yes. Yes. Okay. So anyway, after the after he started on SmackDown, he participated in a fatal four-way elimination match against Kane, Jeff Hardy, and Rey Mysterio. Uh, Mysterio executed a 619 and pinned him with a seated senton. Actually, he didn't pin him. Jericho kicked out, and Jericho threw a chair at Mysterio and was disqualified, which set up another underrated Jericho feud. Man, Jericho is killing it in 0809. His feud with Mysterio, Matt, which eventually gets to the mask versus title match, was just very good. So uh, that led to a feud with Mysterio. And uh, this... 
This led to Mysterio pinning uh, Chris Jericho after 619 at Judgment Day to retain the Intercontinental Championship. Now, that's not the memorable Intercontinental Championship match they're going to have. This one coming up is going to be memorable when they had the rematch at Extreme Rules and it was no holds barred. And the finish was Jericho ripped Mysterio's mask off and he rolled him up when he covered his face. Dude, I don't know if you remember that match. I do. It's a great match. Uh, I'm surprised Jericho did that. Yeah, I'm, su- I'm surprised Ray was cool with it. Well, I mean, Ray was unmasked before. Yeah, but like still. Like, like multiple times. But I, I can see Jericho not being cool with it. Where do you rank? Uh, where do you rank the Mysterio feud on Jericho's feuds in this run? It has to be up there, right up there, the Michaels feud, right? Right up there. I thought. I thought uh, Big Show and uh, I thought the Jericho and DX had a good feud. Yep, which we'll get to in a little bit. But uh, Solo, yeah, right after Michaels feud. Yeah, I mean, him and Ray. Him and Ray work very well together. The Michaels feud is undisputedly number one. That's yeah. there's no touch in that. So. Uh, after that, that was Jericho's ninth Intercontinental Championship, breaking his own record. They would face for a third time at the Bash in a mask for title match, which obviously Jericho won. Jericho lost, excuse me, and dropped the Intercontinental Championship back to Rey Mysterio. So later on the same night, Chris Jericho went into Teddy Long's office, pissed that he lost the Intercontinental Championship. And guess who else was in? Uh, you're, don't jump the gun. Guess who else was in uh, Teddy Long's office? The Big Show. No, Edge. Edge. Yeah. Oh, yes. That's why I said don't jump the gun. Yeah, I, I got I jumped the gun a little bit. So they were surprise entrants in a unified tag team championship match uh, with the Colons, a.k.a. the Colones, versus Legacy. They were still in the freaking company. They were the tag champs. Yeah. They were the fucking tag champs. So uh, Jericho... Oh, it was Epico and Carlito, right? No, it was, it Primo, was Car- Carlito. Primo and Carlito, yes. Primo and Carlito. So Jericho and Edge won the tag titles, and uh, this allowed... This, uh, I don't know if you know this, but Jericho became the first wrestler to win every Grand Slam eligible championship. So that's the world title, the intercontinental title, the European title, and both sets of tag titles. And then eventually you get the U.S. title. But he'd be the first guy to win every Grand Slam eligible championship. The U.S. title wasn't Grand Slam eligible then? Uh, it should be. I don't know. I, I know he was the first to do it, but... This is saying uh, that he did it at the bash. But I don't know. Let's just roll with it. But shortly after, Edge tore his Achilles in a house show, which is unfortunate. That sounds painful. But Chris Jericho revealed a clause in his contract that allowed Edge to be replaced, and Jericho was allowed to choose a replacement partner. So at the Night of Champions, Chris Jericho revealed that his new partner was... That was Big Show's second best theme. Do you remember the first theme they had? No. Oh, dude, it was awful. I gotta find it. I gotta find it. Oh, uh, while, while, while you're finding that, the Big Show's best theme was uh, was this. Oh, this is it. Hang on. Listen how awful this is. That's horrendous. Isn't it terrible? That it's was, not even the best well. This is the best well. Uh, you like that? You like that? All right. Let's, they don't want to hear us play music. Maybe they do. You don't know what our audience wants. That's true. But anyway, uh, Big Show and Jericho successfully defeated Legacy to officially claim hold of the tag team titles. They would then they would then go on a run of defending the titles against Crime Time at SummerSlam, MVP and Mark Henry at Breaking Point, Rey Mysterio and Batista at Hell in a Cell. Then this would lead to, to uh, bragging rights. Where uh, Jericho was the captain of the SmackDown team, and he assumed the Big Show would be on the SmackDown team with him, but there was one problem. Oh, you don't know what the problem is, do you? I was waiting for you to say it. Oh, I was waiting for you to say it. Big Show was on Raw. Big Show was on Raw. So Big Show well, decided to be on the Raw team, but it was a swerve, bro. Big Show turned on the Raw team and allowed the SmackDown team to win at to win the bragging rights match. Big Show turning. Yeah, we're uh, this is such a surprise. Yeah, I, I, it I really can't. got us there. Big Show turning. I, mm. there's, there's a there's like a 25 minute video on YouTube of all. Yeah, it shows turns. every turn. This is like 27 turns or something. Yeah, it's ridiculous. <laughs> but all love to Paul White. He's one of the best. Yeah, he is. He's best big man ever. So as a reward for helping SmackDown win, uh, Big Show was granted a shot at the World Heavyweight Championship in the same match as Jericho. It was a triple threat at Survivor Series where they unsuccessfully challenged The Undertaker. I don't know if you remember this, but the best moment ever happened in this match. The best moment of Jericho throughout this whole run. 
You know what I'm talking about? No. Go back to Toronto. Oh, from Winnipeg, you idiot. Dude, it's the best. I, I watch that. I watch it at least once a month. It'll come up in like my uh, suggested videos on YouTube. And I love it. That fan got owned. <laughs> that fan got absolutely... And if you go on Jericho's Twitter, his location says, I'm from Winnipeg, you idiot. Really? Still? Yeah. To this day? To this day. It's awesome. It's incredible. And Winnipeg's in Calgary, isn't it? No, Winnipeg's in Manitoba. Or Manitoba. Yeah, Winnipeg's in Manitoba. Our friends from the north are going to stop listening to the show. We're messing up their geography. I don't have any friends up there. Wow, so now you're, now you're shooting on Canada. I'm not shooting on Canada. You're shooting on Canada. They're now. just they're just good. They're good. They're nice people. They produce overrated wrestlers. Oh, man. Jericho. Well, are you going to pull the card? Technically, Jericho was born in New York City. Are you going to pull that I card? was talking about Bret Hart, but... I know you're talking about Bret Hart, but... Uh, continue. All right. So after Survivor Series, they would start a feud with D-Generation X, where the premise of the feud was Shawn Michaels and Triple H never held the tag titles together, and they wanted to. He even has an exclamation point. I know. It's great. <laughs> so at Tables, Ladders, and Chairs, which I hate as a name of a pay-per-view, you'll never guess what kind of match DX faced Jericho in. Judy Bagwell on a pole match. Close. Close. It was actually a, a paddle on a pole match. No, I'm just kidding. It was Tables, Ladders, Chairs, obviously. Yes. And DX won uh, the title, the titles. Do you remember the finish of this match? No. Oh, my God. The finish was great. So the ladder broke. Yes, I remember that. And Big Show put Jericho on his shoulders. And they're trying to climb up. The Jericho's trying to, like, reach up for the belts on Big Show's shoulders. Does then, Michaels jump on his back? No. Sean no. comes in and super kicks Big Show. And Jericho takes, like, a wicked bump off Big Show's shoulders all the way to the fucking floor. Good Lord. You got to watch it. You got to watch the finish of that match. All it's, right, watch it tonight. It's unreal. And then uh, Sean, like, held half of the ladder up so Triple H could climb up and get the belts. It was just a great finish. Great match. I remember the match. I don't remember the finish, if that makes any sense. Yeah, I know. We all have those moments. So this led to a storyline where Jericho is pissed because now he's locked out of Raw. Because as a member of the SmackDown roster, the only way Jericho could appear on Raw is if he was a unified tag champ because they're allowed to appear on both shows. So DX intentionally disqualified themselves in a rematch to force Jericho off the show. What a babyface move. What a babyface move, right? A hunter in a shovel. So eventually the teams had a match with a decisive finish and DX won, and that was the end of Jarrah's show. So now again to 2010, the final year that we are covering. And it starts at the Royal Rumble, where Jericho is uh, in towards the end of at the at the ugh, I, I remember tell. I remember the final four that it was Jericho, Cena, Big Show. No. It was Dave it was Big Dave, wasn't it? Batista? Yes, it was Big Dave. It was uh, Jericho, Batista, Cena, and Mysterio? No. Oh, dude, you're missing the most important part. I mean, Edge came in at 30. Oh, you mean like the final four when like they were all in the ring? Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So a returning Edge off the torn Achilles came in, and he eliminated his former tag team partner and went on to win the match. Then at Elimination Chamber, this is what you're talking about. Yeah. Uh, Jericho won the World Heavyweight title after in a match where The Undertaker uh, got lit on fire during his entrance. And got super kicked by Shawn Michaels in one of the greatest things. When Shawn Michaels pops like the little like this the thing off the elimination chamber and rises up, that's awesome. Yeah. Michaels, like we saw tonight, Michaels and Taker just always Yeah. Oh yeah. Always deliver together. No matter if it's a one minute promo or well, maybe do an episode of this. I was gonna Michaels say we have to Taker. cover their, their history one day because they put me they put together the greatest WrestleMania match ever, I think. So Yeah, I don't I don't disagree. So the following night, uh, Edge uses Royal Rumble uh, win to challenge Jericho for the World Heavyweight Championship. Now, WrestleMania 26, uh, Jericho defeated Edge, but it was by disqualification. What are your thoughts on a world title match having uh, like a DQ finish or a count-out finish at WrestleMania? Well, I've seen at WrestleMania. It depends. That Nakamura's turn worked. They didn't really do much with it. But that wasn't a DQ, though. He lost and then he turned. Oh, that's true. Sure. I don't know. I, I just feel like WrestleMania, like, title matches. I don't like non-finishers. Have... Yeah. Like, yeah. I'm fine we, with... We saw non-finish in the SummerSlam match with Joe and AJ, but that works. I wasn't... It worked, but I wasn't thrilled with it either because it's SummerSlam. I feel like SummerSlam and WrestleMania should be, like, protected. You know what I mean? Like... Oh, I know match... what you mean. I agree with you. just not like that anymore. So I like, if you want to have a non-finish at Backlash, that's fine because it's a... I don't want to call I it... I wish a... there was a couple non-finishes at Backlash. <laughs> I don't want to call it a throwaway pay-per-view, but that's kind of what it is. Oh, yeah. excuse me. But on the but on the April second episode of SmackDown, Jericho lost the World Heavyweight Title. Damn it! Every time I look to you, what do you want me to say? Who he lost it to? Do you know? 
What was the date? April. That was the Jack Swagger, your favorite. Oh, that's, fuck that's, why, that's why I was throwing it to you. I'm sorry, it's a long day. I was slightly intoxicated early this afternoon. <laughs> I uh, it's Labor Day, so you're gonna get a you're gonna get a PWI. A pod potting while, potting while intoxicated. I'm sweating like a motherfucker. You can see me. Yeah, it's hot in here, but we can't turn the fan on because it'll throw it. It'll yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> it sounds like we're recording on a Harley. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> so Jack Swagger cashed in his money in the bank briefcase and uh, pinned Jericho for the championship. I hate Jack Swagger. I don't know if I don't even have to know if I mentioned to her or the old our old listeners or our new ones, but Jack Swagger is the worst professional wrestler of all time. <laughs> I'd rather watch Great Kali and Buff Bagwell in a Braun Panties match than any Jack Jesus. Swagger match. The only time he was respectable is with he's with Zeb and Cesaro. So what are your thoughts on Jack Swagger world champion? Oh god, stupid fucking lisp, stupid fucking face. Oh, man, that's a per- I feel like that's a personal attack. What did Jack Swagger do to you? Sucking so bad. That's what he <laughs> oh, did. God. I love it. I love it, though. But uh, at Extreme Rules, uh, Swagger retained the title in a match against Jericho. And, nope, never mind. The, that wasn't at Extreme Rules. That was just on SmackDown. Edge defeated Jericho in a cage match at Extreme Rules and the feud. I got my dates mixed up there. So then came the 2010 uh, WWE Draft. Jericho was drafted back to Raw. He formed a brief tag team with The Miz that not a lot of people remember. I remember that. It was Jera Miz, for lack of a better term. So uh, they unsuccessfully challenged the Hart Dynasty for the Unified Tag Champions at Over the Limit. And then he lost to Evan Bourne at Fatal 4-Way. And this is kind of like, around this time is where Jericho started putting young guys over. which Vince paid him a lot of money to do. He did it to Fandango. uh, I think he said it in one of his podcasts. But uh, that night he lost to Fandango was one of his biggest payoffs ever. Yeah, I'm sure it was. And he probably doesn't give a shit that he lost to Fandango. No. He got to work WrestleMania. He did. He put over Bray Wyatt. He put over a lot of guys. He worked with, he worked with Bray Wyatt in uh, NXT, didn't he? Yeah. Like, that was Bray's first match on NXT was with Jericho? I don't know if it was his first match, but I know they worked, like, in NXT TV. Yeah. Because, like, back in the day, NXT used to send random, like, they'd send, like, Randy Orton down to work a match. Cena worked a match, too, didn't he? Yeah. Like, Punk worked a match. Everyone worked a match. Because... It used to just be like it wasn't on the network because the network didn't exist yet. It was just local TV in Florida. So the following night after Fatal 4-Way, he won a rematch where he put his career on the line. On the June 19th episode of Raw, he was assaulted by the Nexus. And Jericho began showing signs of a face turn when he teamed with rivals Edge, uh, John Morrison, R-Truth, Daniel Bryan, Bret Hart, and John Cena against the Nexus at SummerSlam. Do gotta say, Bret Hart joining that team was pretty cool. Daniel Bryan joining that team was even cooler. More important. Yeah. So, uh, but this backfired when Jericho and Cena bickered over the leadership of the team, which led to him and Edge attacking Cena and walking out. Uh, so, let's let's talk about this SummerSlam match because I don't know when we'll have another chance to talk about it. I believe this was the downfall of the Nexus. They should have won. Oh no, should have the downfall of the Nexus. Cena will tell you that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they should have won. I think even Cena has said it. Yeah. And, like, publicly apologize for it. Like, he lost the next seven SummerSlams. Because they were supposed to win, but then Cena changed the finish. Yeah. No, they should have dominated. They should have absolutely dominated. Just after this match, they lost all their steam. Yeah. And then you realize, why is Michael Tarver in the WWE? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man, you're just throwing shots at people tonight. I'm I'm ornery tonight. I can tell. You've been saying you want to be the heel for a while now. I do. This is is your heel turn. I can get people to hate me really. really I think your heel turn was the Pittsburgh night, though. Although, that was a babyface promo to a lot of people. Yeah, that was that pissed off a lot of people. Uh, but anyway, uh, Jericho was punished for walking out uh, when he was removed from the six-pack challenge for Sheamus' WWE Championship at Night of Champions. He re-earned his place, defeating the Hart Dynasty in a two-on-one handicap steel cage match, but he was the first man eliminated at, in the six-pack challenge at the Night of Champions pay-per-view. The, on the September 27th episode of Raw, Jericho faced Randy Orton, who punted him in the head, uh... This was used to explain Jericho's departure from the company. The match ended in a draw, uh, but then Jericho left to go do more Fozzie stuff, and that was the end of Jericho's nearly three-year three, three run. So, And that was until we were in 2012, right? Yes, that was then. He had the It Begins 2012 vignettes. Yeah. So uh, any closing thoughts on this Jericho run? This is when I began to like him. He's now one of my favorite wrestlers ever. Yeah. This, was, this was probably his best. WWE run? It's up there. Either this one or, or the list one, depending on your flavor. Just, yeah. But this is... Know what, this, know what we haven't really mentioned? 
this is where Jericho kind of like started the pattern of rediscovering himself. Yeah. Now every time he comes back to the company, he's something different. He and takes everything that was good yeah. from the previous and then turns it into the, like he got a fucking clipboard over. And I think we also should mention that during this time, Jericho refused to let them put out merch for him because he didn't want people to like him. Like he didn't want people to be able to support him, which is like you're sacrificing merchandise money for the integrity of your character, which is pretty cool. Yeah, he's he's a true like wrestling goat. Like he's I I wonder how like respected he is in the business. Cause I feel like it's very oh, respected. I'm, everyone respects Chris Jericho. Yeah. But uh, yeah, this is our Chris Jericho 2007 to 2010 episode. Uh, sorry if it wasn't in, as in depth as our Brian or Punk episodes because we just kind of threw this together as a topic because we wanted to get something out to you guys. But uh, if you'd like to see us cover some more errors, if you want to see us cover like 99 to 02 or like 02 to 05 or I feel like we're doing some more Jericho episodes. Yeah, there's just. Or even WCW Jericho. We could go back and cover that because I feel like a lot of people have a soft spot in their heart for WCW Jericho. Just let us know what you want to hear and uh, we'll see you next week. I forget what we have on the schedule next week. It'll probably change anyway. Because yeah, just look for Twitter. Everything got pushed back. But just yeah. look for Twitter at Champions Pod. We, we are working as part of the Turnbuckle Topics family. That is uh, TT underscore for you. And we will see you next week. Yeah, uh, peace out.